Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Let me pray for you, brother. Father, thank you for Dennis. Thank you for what he carries, for the anointing that is on him, for the gifting that you've given him to preach and teach the gospel, Father God. And what he has to say to us this day is, is just, I've already heard the sermon, the sermon prep team meeting. It is so important. It is so um, incredibly relevant to what I just talked about and where we want to go as a church in, in supernatural ministry and just doing the stuff that Jesus did, as John Wimber used to say. And so, God, anoint this man, use him, Lord God, to speak to our hearts and give us open hearts to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, church. All right, we continue our, yes, I'm Dennis Kozlov, and yes, now I need to get used to the fact that other people are watching us online, so hello, everybody out there. Uh, I'm Dennis Kozlov, an associate pastor of this church, and you can hear an accent because I wasn't born here, uh, but I got here as soon as I could, <laughs> and I was under the weather last week, so my, my, my accent is not only Russian, it's a little bit of French today. But I'll be all right. The, the worship wrecked me. The worship wrecked me. I don't know about you. I like it just wrecked me. Aprilia, there's such an anointing on you. My goodness. I, I just I I can't wait to see what's unfold in your life, man. And Neil, I totally affirm that word because if Neil wouldn't be a shepherd he was, you wouldn't have me as 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 as, as a minister here. We see so many wonderful things in this church. In recent five, six years, we're having a time, how do you call it, a time of a lifetime? How do you call it? Like, it's, it's amazing. I've, I've been in ministry for so many years. I've never been so happy, so excited, so enthusiastic. Neil said, I've never had that before. Wes says, I've never had that before. We've been in ministry for years. I mean, Neil is like the, the longest. I've been a number of, over 30 years. And this is amazing what God does. And when you allow God to work and operate, well, don't let me distract it. We are still doing the, message, uh, the series of messages called Unleashed. And basically what it is, we usually preach in series of messages, thematically organized, topical. But we decided to give ourselves a slack every fall and just to unleash Neil and me and like just to release whatever God puts in our heart. And we've been talking about those things. So today, I want to start with a question that Neil kind of already asked. Why do so many people identify as Christians, as people who believe in the book? Yet the stories we read in the book are very different from what we see in these people's lives. Why so many people claim that they, they are the same as those guys in the book, yet those guys have seen God in action and we don't. We don't see much of God's power manifested in our life. We don't see much of God's reality manifested. At least majority of Christians don't. They just learn how to do church. They just learn how to, to do Routine, Christian routine, which is good. We need 
good Christian godly habits. Why do we see so little of the reality we read in the, in the Bible? And I, I believe today we'll find an answer in few specific scriptures from the New Testament. I'm going to start. And you can hear the story over and over again from different people. It's almost the same story. They are raised as Christians or they identify themselves as Christians. And for the first time in their life, they decide to go on a mission trip somewhere. And they go to a faraway country. And all of a sudden, when they are there in Mexico or in China or in Russia, all of a sudden they feel the release of God's presence and His power. Like I know my friends are here who have been missionaries in Afghanistan. I'm sure they experience more presence of God power in Afghanistan. There's a special presence of God on a regular basis. And it's released in you and it's released through you. And I've heard over and over stories when people went on a mission trip and they prayed for healing and actually healing happened. And they were shocked. Or they would start to pray and the power of God would be released from them. And they were all shocked and excited and they went back to the country of origin, and they kind of expected that now they might see it more and more, and it shut down, it subsided, and never happened again. Have you heard those stories? And I want to look at why does it happen. And I believe we're going to find this, those answers in the scripture I'm going to read today. They count the story that is given to us in three different gospels. They give different details. So I'm going to read from all three passages so that we will see whole picture. And I will start with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 and 22. What was happening, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. It's a small Jewish town in Galilee. And uh, he grew up and everybody, you know, how many of you were born in a small town? Small town. Small town, you born and raised in small town, everybody knows about everything about everybody right so when Jesus was growing they knew things about him but then he grew up and there were some weird things about him too they knew about them but then he grew up he went to John the Baptist and something happened there and they began to hear rumors that this boy this Jesus boy from Nazareth that they knew since he was very little the son of a carpenter, began to speak in a very different way. All of a sudden, when he would begin to speak, crowds begin to gather. Because when he would open his mouth, grace begin to flow. And then after he would done speaking, he would be done speaking, he would lay his hands on people and miracles began to happen. And they were like, what's going on? Is that the same Jesus when we know? Well, anyway, the time came when he was on his way back to Nazareth. And they were all electrified, like, what's going on? He's going to come to synagogue, we know. So he came, they knew he's there in town, and they went to synagogue. Everybody filled the synagogue that day because they wanted to figure out what's going on with Jesus. So he came to Nazareth, chapter 4, Luke, where he had been brought up. And as, he was, and as, his, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Scroll is a book, book of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. He recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And it says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Sounds like the beginning of revival, right? Like, wow. When he opened his mouth, when he read the scripture, and then when he gave interpretation, we felt something. The grace was penetrating our souls. The heart was resonating. And it sounds like the beginning of the revival. It sounds like something that was happening this morning when we were worshiping, like grace was released. But then we keep on reading. Matthew 13, 54, the same story, different angle. It continues the story. They were astonished and they said, where did this man get this wisdom? And this mighty works. So they begin to reason. They begin to ask questions. They refer to, to what they heard about him. They haven't seen him doing any miracle yet. But they heard about it. So they said, where does it come from? Wait a minute. And then they, they continue to ask questions. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this mother, his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters are with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they, listen, they took offense at him. What in the world? What just happened? It started so well. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. You see, a prophet back then was a special person. He was a regular pe person on one hand, but he was a special person on the other. The Spirit of God was endowed into him, was deposited into him, and he had the special ability to receive messages from God. God was far away. He was in heaven. They were on earth. There was no connection. There was a big distance. And the prophet was someone who had a special connection through the Spirit of God. And he, could, he had this text messaging from God. He could get it. I got a word for you, brother. I got a word for you, brother. And usually people would recognize the operation of the prophet except when they knew him too well. It was really hard, and Jesus recognizes that. He said, a prophet is recognized everywhere except in the environment when he, it's very familiar. Familiarity breeds contempt and unbelief, right? So that's what's happening here. And he says, and he did not do mighty works. And he said that he's not just a prophet. He said, I'm the Messiah, basically. 
And it says, he did not do many mighty works there. Specifically says that because of their unbelief. Listen to Mark, how Mark tells this story. He says in chapter 6, verse 6, chapter 6, verse 4, he says, And Jesus said to them, after they began to reason and get offended, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And listen, he could do no mighty work there except that laid his hands on few sick people and healed them. Actually, Mark says he couldn't. That's a crazy truth. Not just a prophet, a son of God, a promised Messiah has come. Just told them what he is, who he is, and what he's about to do. And he was about to do it. But they began to reason. And by that reasoning, they suppressed the operation of the Holy Spirit in their midst. Just think about it. This is a crazy truth. We see that people's mindset and their attitudes can suppress the work that God wants to do among them. Were they specifically, especially evil people resisting God and fighting God? Were they like atheists that were fighting any kind of belief? No, they were believers. They loved their Bible. They loved their gathering every Saturday. And they expected God to send the Messiah and they knew when the Messiah would come, he would be, his coming would be confirmed by mighty works of power and miracles and signs. They knew that. And they knew those passages. And when Jesus came, they already had rumors preparing them for that. And when he came, he pulled the scripture that they knew, Messianic scripture. And he basically read them the promise of the coming Messiah that comes to save them and redeem them and destroy the power of darkness in their life. And then he put it down and he said, this is it, guys. I'm here. And they felt, they felt it in their gods. His words were releasing grace. But then they began to reason. And they began to do this. And then they, their mind took them to the place when they couldn't receive it. Why did it happen? Why? It was because they relied on what they knew about Jesus naturally. Only. Was more, what were they saying, how they were reasoning? Was it true about Jesus? Was he from Nazareth? Yeah. Was, did they list all the relatives correctly? Yeah. Did they, did they, I mean, it was a reliable, factual, experiential information that they relied upon, right? He was a typical Jewish carpenter from a Nazareth with a typically extensive family. But there was a higher truth about him. There was the eternal Son of God in him. He was both. And he was on the mission from God. You see, in their, in their mindset, God was far away. And he kept sending prophets and special people and he said one day i'm going to fix it i'm going to send the messiah 
right? But they did know the good news that God has actually changed everything when Jesus was born. What's, what's his name? Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Bible, the New Living Translation, he said, remember the beginning of the Gospel of John? And the Word became flesh. He translated that, and the Word has moved into our neighborhood. God is no longer far, far away. God, in fact, Jesus, when he came, he, <laughs> he said, Repent, change your mind, change your heart, change your attitude. Everything has to change. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come near. In fact, it's, it's, in, it's in the midst of you. It's among you right now. God has moved into the neighborhood. He has changed the address. He is among you. That was the good news. And they couldn't reconcile these two. They couldn't reconcile a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth that they knew since he was a little boy and the eternal of days. They couldn't. And that was the message he preached. When Jesus, and I want you to look at Jesus. When he walked and ministered on this earth, he walked and ministered in a very different mindset from all the religious people of all times. He operated out of the most intimate relationship with his father. There was no distance. Listen, it's important. You think, Dennis, where are you leading me? I will take you there. Just bear with me. Please, please. It has to do with you today. So I'll connect the dots for you. But just listen. Jesus was so unique and so different. All the prophets of God, all the people of God, they, they had different ranges of distance between them and God. And sometimes they feel closer to God. Sometimes they felt farther from God. Jesus has never had that except on the cross. Jesus never strived to get in. <laughs> he was already in. He was always in. He actually operated from being in. He operated from the amazing, amazing intimacy with his Father. And he kept saying that. He said, I and the Father are one. You see me? Carpenter? Jewish guy? With the olive complexion skin and the big nose like most Jewish people are? You see the eternal one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And he said, I'm the father of one. Every time you see something amazing happen, that's not really me. It's my father. Here's how I do. Here's the secret of my ministry. I looked at my father within me, and I see what he does, and I do exactly the same thing, and things begin to happen. He said, when I come into the synagogue, and I see this crippled man that cannot walk, I look at him. And I look at my father, and I see my father crying and reaching out to him. And I don't go check with a religious calendar to check whether it's okay to restore him or not. Because I see my father restoring him. I reach out my hand, and my father restores him. He operates from this amazing, amazing intimacy and oneness with him. He doesn't care where he got on the wrong foot or something. Yes, yeah, sometimes he enjoys time of like withdrawal to be alone with his father because crowds are pressing him. But he never suffers the lack of oneness with the father because he said something or has done something. He just lives by his father. Come on. So Dennis, and he, and he operates. So there are two truths. So these guys, they could reconcile his identity as the son of God with his identity as the as the 
Jewish carpenter from, from Nazareth. But he was, the truth was, he was both. And he operated out of this oneness with the Father. And he knew one thing, he's always one with the Father. And he's on the mission from the Father. He knew God, theologians, I said it many times, they know God as almighty, all-knowing, all omniscient, omnipresent, whatever. All these omni, 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 omni. Jesus knew Father as the most relational person in the universe. He knew the Father. He knew the most gentle Holy Spirit. He was the Son in this eternal family, in this flow of life. And He was releasing this flow of life. And He knew this God is not just satisfied to enjoy Himself and the circle of fellowship. He wants to flow out and reach other and restore them by this life. Do you hear me? So He was one and He was on the mission. You would say, Dennis, what does it have to do with me? Everything, my friend. What does the story in, in a synagogue in Nazareth have to do with me? Well, my friend, I'm telling you, most Christians, they do exactly the same thing to Jesus in them. They do exactly the same thing to themselves as, as those believers in Nazareth did to Jesus. Why? Because you know yourself too well. What self? What, what version of yourself do you know? You know the same version that those people in Nazareth did. You know where you were born, when you were born. You know your sisters. You know your upbringing. You know your childhood. You know your childhood traumas. You know your strengths. You know your weaknesses, right? You took your tests. Enneagram, you know your number. You know the disc. I mean, I'm a beaver or whatever. Whatever the animals are there. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be efficient in this world, to be self-aware, to know your strengths, to know your... But this knowledge is not enough to experience the move of God through you. And in fact, if you rely on this knowledge only, you will never see God move through you. Just like these guys. Jesus wants to do a lot of things through you. He can't. Because you, you put him in a box. You need to know that the same thing, and this is the beauty of the gospel. I love the gospel so much. I became a Christian in 1992. I was like 16 years old. You do the math for me. But anyway, I've been Christian over 30-some years. And only for the last 10 years, I began to rediscover the true nature of the gospel. Together with this guy. He's been in ministry way longer than I am. In the last, <laughs> in the last six years, we've seen more miracles than through the entire life. And it has nothing to do how special we are. In fact, it has everything to do how not special we are. But it has everything to do with the gospel. And the gospel is when Jesus has come, he brought God to people. But when he went to the cross and died and was resurrected, before that moment, there was only one unique Jesus with two identities, two natures. He was both Jewish carpenter and the son of God. The unique, the only one, the only begotten. But after he went through to the cross and went through death and resurrection, and he came to his disciples and he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It says that he became the firstborn. You know what it means? 
It means you, there was a number two. There was a number three. I don't know your number, but you are that. You are this. You have these two identities now. You've been born twice. So you know all these wonderful things about you. I know that I was born in the country that doesn't exist anymore, Soviet Union. You know, you were born in Kentucky or wherever you were born. But listen, there was more to you than you know about yourself. Do you know that? And you haven't done it. You haven't pulled it off. Jesus did. And this is the gospel. The same oneness that Jesus had, he gave it to you as a gift. You can't get any closer to God that you are now. You can, you can wake up more to that reality. But listen, you can't draw closer because he brought you into the middle. I stole it from a, another preacher. He brought you into the middle of this creamy, heavenly Twinkie. You're right in the middle of that. So you need to learn to operate, to live, to consider yourself, to know this side of you. Just to enjoy God. Enjoy God. There are a bunch of Christians that don't believe that miracles happen. Can I use my special phrase here? I don't because you know what I mean. A bullcrap. Somebody gave me a hint. Bullcrap. It's a bullcrap. Neil told me, you don't use articles before bullcrap. Just say bullcrap. Okay, bullcrap. No A, no they. My eyes still butcher English grammar. So, yeah, we don't believe that. But listen, I, I was saved in a church that believed in miracles, believed in healings, believed in all of that. But I haven't seen much. I, I became a translator very, very early, and I translated for all kinds of famous preachers. And they would come, and they know what they do? They would spend like 30 minutes to tell you how special they are. Seriously. You know why? Because they, they want you to believe that something may happen when they lay their hands on you. They keep building this, and you feel like second-rate citizen, and they fly like spiritual first class, and you're like, oh, okay, pray for me, brother. But this is not the gospel. The fact is actually that they're not special. So you don't need signs when you were born. You don't need angel stories. You don't need special visitations or being taken to heaven. You need Jesus on the cross. And you need an empty tomb. And that's all you need, my friend, to believe the goodness of God that was given to you as a gift. You have received this oneness with God that you can grow into and learn how to walk, how to enjoy, how to operate out of. You are one with God as Jesus was one with the Father. And if you don't believe me, check with Jesus. He says it point blank in the scriptures. And I'm totally dumped my notes by now, but who cares? So truth number one about his identity, I said, there was no separation for him, between him and the Father. And truth number two about his identity that he stood in firmly was he was sent by God to the people to restore them and bring them into the same kind of relationship. Right? So 2 Corinthians, let's read 2 Corinthians. It, it says the same thing there in a different form. Apostle Paul speaks in chapter 5. From now on, Paul says, listen, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's a natural side of you. That's your weight, height, biography, your relatives, connections, abilities, skills, strengths, weaknesses, weird sense of humor. 
So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we know, we know those facts about Jesus. We know that he was born in Nazareth, right? We know all these things. But <laughs> he says that we, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, listen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. There is another side to you, my brother, my sister. And you got to learn about this side of yours. And you got to believe. You got to believe. I, I, I gave a title to my sermon, Believe in Yourself. But I don't mean like, believe in myself. I believe you can do it. Believe in in your heavenly identity there's a heaven in you you got to start from that point and then you got to believe that God wants to release this heaven from you I became a Christian in the church that believed in miracles but the problem was I didn't see any miracles you know why because many of them taught us that to enter into oneness with God you need Jesus but to stay there you need to read your Bible three hours a day or pray in tongues or do this or do that so you it's a never-ending process. You will never get to the point that when you will be qualified because what makes you qualified is not your efforts. It's the gospel of God's grace. It's the gift of God. Do you hear me? That's why today I don't care how I feel in the morning. I don't care whether I had a chance to pray well and long or not. Maybe I got busy. Ask a mom with a little kid. Come on. Mom, baby just puked on her. But the power of God can just pull through her in that very moment. Why? Because Jesus gave it to her as a gift. And there are different seasons in life. All right? Okay. So at this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you see, he reconciled us with himself. He destroyed this distance. He brought us into the middle of this creamy heavenly Twinkie, right? And he gave us an assignment to bring others into the same center. Do you hear me? So you got to believe that, my friend. You got to start your day like this. Yes, Lord. I am one with you as you are one with the Father. And I'm going to go today, meet this day, and there are some people that you're sending me to today that you want to touch through me, through my word, through my prayer, through my prophecy, through my money. Yeah, money is included. <laughs> Don't ex make exceptions. So that's how it works. I, I, I'm... Whew. So two aspects, relational always, oneness, no distance, no separation. Separation and distance is the basis of any religious mindset. Religion will tell you, you are far from God, I'll tell you how to get close to God. Here's five principles, here's this, here's that, here's how you fast, here's how you do it. Don't buy that <laughs> teaching. Check it with the gospel. Jesus is the beginning, the middle, and the end of it. All right? So in the second thing, believe that it's actually happening. I'm going to read two quick scriptures at the end, and I'm going to invite a friend of mine. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, 
so I have loved you. Abide in my love. He doesn't tell, find my life. He doesn't tell, uh, reconnect to me. Or you're disconnected, connect to me. He said, that's none of your business to get connected to God. It was not even possible for you to connect to God. The, 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 the distance between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth was, uh, you cannot connect them. Only who could, he could, and he did. So your thing is to stay in the connection. And if you find yourself forgetting about it, remember, remind yourself. That's why you come to church. We remind you the truth. All right? So that's one. Abide in my love. And John 20, 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. You are a heavenly missionary in Springfield, Ohio. You were born and raised in Springfield, some of you. But you were born of the Father in heaven. And now... Your Springfield identity is fading away and is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that is attached to your heavenly identity. Do you hear this? And when you begin to believe it, expect things to happen that are not based on your special situation or special calling or special experiences. It's exclusively based on Jesus and what he has done. I want to invite John John is a good friend. He joined our church about a year ago. And uh, John doesn't look like most of you because he comes from California originally. <laughs> but that's his, earthly, that's his earthly identity. And when he came, he, he, he's been a Christian for many years. And I love his heart. He has a childlike faith. And I love his intention. Sometimes behind his back, Neil and I call him, he's our Peter. He's just amazing, and he's full of ideas. And some of the ideas you want to say, blessed are you, John. And some of the ideas you said, oh, my goodness, John. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, when he came, he said, guys, I've been Christian for so many years. I don't, expect to, I don't expect you to teach me anything. I just love to worship with you. Well, last Thursday, I said, John, have you learned anything here? Has anything happened? Has anything changed in you since you joined the church a year ago? And he said, yeah. Few things did, and I want him to share it. Well, first of all, howdy. howdy. Speaking to the microphone, please. Oh, yeah, well, that would have been a little loud. Oh. Yeah, I've been, like uh, Dennis says, I've been a Christian for a long time. Uh, I, I can't remember dates, so I asked my wife a little bit ago, and she said since 1985, so that's a lot of decades. I have read my Bible front to back many, many, many times. Um, I've been involved with, with ministry. I've been in a lot of different churches. Uh, I really understood pretty much, you know, the, all the standard Christian stuff. When I came here um, with Neil and Dennis, I learned a couple of things. First of all, I learned that, uh, well, I, it really wasn't that I learned this. It's just that they opened my eyes to the, it's the, you know, it's like a duh, real obvious thing. All the stuff that I wanted to do for the Lord or change my life or whatever wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening. And I remembered something that they pointed out. When I got saved initially, 
there was nothing I could do. It's something I had to do. I mean, I, I needed to get someplace. I couldn't get there. And I said, God, I can't do it. And he took care of it for me. Well, it's the same thing now. Here, 30, what, 35 years later? There, I, I want to be doing stuff, and I'm frustrated because I'm just, just John, okay? And I, I realized that I have to approach this the same way. God, here I am. I, I really want to do what you want me to do, and I can't get there, so I'm giving you me. You know, we all sing, I surrender all, and stuff like that. I've, you know, I've done all of that. And yet, somehow, there was a difference between saying those kinds of words and thinking it's a good idea, when all of a sudden the light bulb comes on, it's like, I need to surrender all. And so, and, and guess what? I can't even do that. Amen. So I, I just had to say, Lord, I want to give myself to you, and I can't do that, so please, you take care of that part too. He did. I've always wanted, had, had compassion for people wanting to heal people, and I had prayed for an awful lot of people for an awful lot of years. I've seen a couple, you know, a couple things happen. I, you know, one of them was, you know, really incredible, but it's like, okay, so, you know, once every uh, year or two, that's... And then big, long, dry spell with nothing happening. And yet, here, I learned how to pray. And I think these two things are related, you know, surrendering completely to God, which is a process, um, and learning how to pray. And now all of a sudden, I've seen, I have prayed for more people to be healed in the last six months than in all the rest of my life. Yeah. And I don't see that as slowing down. I see that, if anything, as accelerating. I've prayed for a young man who, one of his ears, he could just barely hear a little bit of stuff, but he could not distinguish any words or anything. I prayed for him. He said he heard kind of a click or a pop, and all of a sudden I whisper real, really, really quietly into his ear, and he heard everything that I said. I prayed for a guy that he said he had his, his back was real sore, I asked him, you know, on a you know, scale of 1 to 10, where was he? And he said, well, when I'm not on the prednisone, it's, you know, like about a 9. You know, right now it's about a 5. I prayed for him, and it, his back, you know, as I was praying for him, I'm noticing that his back is changing. You know, it's kind of, you know, when you get, you know, he's kind of standing there like this, and he wasn't paying much attention to it, but he just straightened up, and the pain pretty much was gone. I talked to him the next week, and he said, yeah, I'm about 95% gone. So I said, okay, great. We'll pray for it. You know, at the end of what we're doing here, we'll pray for it and, you know, try to take it down to zero. Well, the end of the thing, he was down to zero. Amen. So, and those are just two other things. Prayed for a guy whose knee was messed up. It's not messed up anymore. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. So you see, guys, what's happening here. He was pursuing the Lord professionally like most of us for years and working hard and being zealous and really wanting to do stuff. But if you do it on your own or you were taught that you have to do it on your own, it's not going to happen. It's, it, it, it continues the same as you started, all right? So the good liberating part of the gospel is that God wants you to enjoy Him, not when you become better. God wants to release His presence and power, not one day 
when you become the best version of you in him. He wants to do it today. He wants to do it today. And you have to accept it. And that leaves you no ground for boasting and no ground for anything except to expect God to move through you and glorify the Son. So religion needs to be dropped and left behind. And we need to be born again again and enjoy the second birth and enjoy it even more than our first birth. So now, if you feel like it spoke to you, if you feel like religion layers of religion mindset really blocked you from believing a simple gospel. I want those people to stand up. We're going to pray a prayer of activation. Why, why don't we all stand up just to kind of show solidarity. And let's pray. And <clears throat> let's pray together. And Neil, you can come up here so that you can wrap it up after me. Say with me, Jesus. Let's... let's uh, Close our eyes and open our hands like we're receiving from him. Jesus, I thank you. I believe and confess that I have been brought into Christ by you. You are the true vine and I am your branch. Teach me to abide in you. And to be aware of your presence in me. Remind me every day about this heavenly reality within me. Help me to stay tuned to this reality. Manifest this reality in me and through me on a regular basis. Jesus, thank you that, you did, that I did not choose you, but you chose me. And you are sending me to the people you have prepared to be touched by your spirit through me. I give you permission to do that in my life. Release your presence and power through me into many lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, I, I hope you heard what I was trying to tell you. Thank you. Amen. Pastor Neil. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. That's great. 100% truth. 100%. So, um, I still believe that there are people in this room saying, well, that may be true of other people in this room, but it couldn't possibly be true of me because you don't know me. You don't know how much I've messed up. You don't know how sinful I am. You don't know how doubtful I am. You don't know the things I struggle with. And um, I just want to say that God is in the business of using the disqualified. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know it or not, but all those disciples that Jesus called were passed over by the rabbis when they were looking for rabbinical students. So Jesus called the leftovers, the has-beens, the, the disqualified. And, and uh, you know, I, I was that. But I just want you to know that you are 
qualified because you're one with Christ. Everything that's true of Christ is true of you because you're one with him. Yes. I know that's hard to believe, but that's the truth. And I want to say this. I believe that Lord, the Lord is prophetically saying that this week you're going to encounter, each one of you are going to encounter someone that the Lord wants you to step across the chicken line and minister to. Yes. In your workplace, at Kroger, Walmart, wherever you are. And you're going to, there's going to be some fear. There's going to be some hesitancy. There's going to be, you're going to feel completely inadequate. Well, that's okay because he's, he's completely adequate. So just go ahead and step across the chicken line and say, excuse me, but I, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you, like right now, right here. And if nothing happens, that's, that's not on you. <laughs> if the Lord asks you to do something and you don't see results immediately, that doesn't mean that something didn't happen. In fact, a lot of times, just the mere fact that someone wants to pray for them is a miracle. And it can be the difference in life and death. I once felt led to pray for a young woman. Uh, I just felt led to pray for them. And um, they lived next door to the place I was visiting. So I just popped next door, knocked on the door, and I said, I just really feel like the Lord wants me to tell you he loves you, and I just want to pray for you. Years later, she said, you don't know this, but I was, I was going to kill myself that night. I was going to take a bottle of pills and die. Had you not come and told me God loves me and prayed for me, I wouldn't be here today. So you don't know. You don't know when God asks you to cross the chicken line for someone, what's going to happen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.